Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. It's your main man, Andy Gillard here. Hope everyone's well in the world right now. Hi everybody, Matt Guy here on a beautiful summer's evening in sunny Wolverhampton. How are we? Burn baby, burn disco inferno. Scorching outside. It's, it's lovely. I've had a, a really nice day. I've been to Ludlow for the day. Like I was Ooh. technically working, um, but I went and had a day in the sunshine in a lovely little village. I had to park what I thought was a mile from the uh, the town centre because parking was chocker. Uh, and I just had to go through like some forest wood area to find yep. somewhere to park. I thought people are going to think I'm going dogging or something. Here, well, but... <laughs> were there any flashing flashing headlights or anything like that while you were... No, we, we were safe. There was just people playing tennis. Because it's a little bit... I say it's a little bit. It's a lot middle class around there. Mm-hmm. It's meant to be lovely, though. I've never been. Yeah, it's meant to be very nice, though. It does sound... It's a nice day. It sounds like you, you're the kind of place where you'd see a, a canic-based man hiding, <laughs> hiding man <laughs> about his, uh, beating women up. But, yeah. Yeah. May, may have played for Nottingham Forest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No comment. Yeah, it's it's a lovely day out if you get chance. Just there's not a lot there, but I went today. There was a market on. There's like shitloads of ice cream places you can go to. There's a fancy Japanese place, which is where I sent you that picture earlier, where I got my uh, my sushi for lunch from. Yeah, it's it's lovely. Yeah, I'd, I'd thoroughly recommend a day out there if I were you. Those two things don't sound, from what I know of Ludlow, to go hand in hand like a, a sushi kind of restaurant with what I. Like thinking my head is a place that's like much like Stratford upon Avon, thatched houses, tea rooms, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, but it's it's a little bit posh as well around mm. there. So you've got quite. I think it's been gentrified to fuck then, basically. Yeah, I think one of the restaurants in Ludlow is one of the few with a Michelin star in this area that mm. isn't Birmingham. Um, so like. There's a bit of money, so there is a bit of hipsterish stuff going on around there. Oh, now we get into the source. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's well worth it. And there's a yeah, Oxfam bookstore, which is always my favourite place in a new town. Oh, okay, nice. It sounds a bit like um, we went to Stratford upon Avon on the way back from a. I think it, it might have been an England game. It might have been. Oh no, it was. It was the first ever game at Wembley with between Kidderminster and. That's going to annoy me who that was against. Um, Stevenage in the FA. Is it like an FA Cup VAR? It was the FA Trophy final. Um, mm. And because Dad knew people at the FA and kind of ran it through that. So we got a, a couch load from the uh, Wensfield Con Club <laughs> then to Wembley for the first game. And we stopped off at Stratford upon Avon on the way back. So 50, pe- 50 pissed up people from here. <laughs> Traipsing <laughs> around their posh. St- Suburban abyss that is um, Stratford upon Avon. They very much noses were turned incredibly up at us, and then you walk around one corner and there is charity shops everywhere, and you think you're just like us. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Stu, when we went to Barnsley away, they turned their nose up at us, and that was in the arse end of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. So I think going somewhere middle class, they they definitely going to look down on our kind round there. So we'll get on with it anyway, because we've got some news to discuss first up. Last time out, I did mention that 2021 has been the year of the Snyder. So I think we should start with some Snyder news. First off, Discovery have purchased Warner Media, and there's going to be some changes within the boardroom. So 
there's talk about a lot of the anti-Snyder guys being removed, and this way there will be a resurrection of the Snyderverse. So this news just isn't going anywhere. So maybe we will get it, and it will come back wearing a black suit with no explanation to. <laughs> In other Snyder news, though, this one is coming from across the way from Disney. Um, at the start of May, Snyder said that he wouldn't survive if he did a Star Wars movie, basically because anyone who does a Star Wars movie has to work within this studio confines, and that's not him. He wants his own selfish view on a film, which I think is something that we've discussed on our last podcast about um, Army of the Dead. But the film that he wrote, this Star Wars film, He's going ahead and making it, but it's not going to be within the Star Wars universe. It is a Kurosawa-inspired samurai sci-fi. Um, there's no news yet. It's just very early days. Would you even be interested in seeing Snyder in the Star Wars world at this point? Stu, what, what do you think? Anything to pose the memory of The Last Jedi, of course. Um... No. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> It's in such a fucking mess now that other than going back and getting Gary Witter back to write Row Two, there is, <laughs> which is the only the only thing to kind of give it any kind of satisfaction back after the mess that they made of it all. It's it'll be pretty different to everything else, wouldn't it? So why not? I'd like. I mean, I'm interested in this anyway. What he's mm. what he's turning this film into? So I'll definitely watch it. But yeah, I would have I would have absolutely watched that kind of thing. Matt, I mean, we've said Snyder brings the big visuals, mm -hmm. but he's always struggled with an interesting story, to be perfectly honest. Perfect for Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think the thing is, I'd, I'd be interested in it purely on the basis that Star Wars isn't a franchise anymore. Star Wars is a genre. It's mm. so far-reaching now. and It's got so many different arcs and canon and everything else. It isn't just one story about one universe anymore. It is, it's a genre in itself, so you might as well. We've, we applauded how Army of the Dead turned the zombie uh, genre into something new, so why not let him have a play with a, with a genre and see what he can do with it? I'd be all for it. I'm not saying it would be good, no. but I'd, I'd like to see it. Maybe, like, you know pure morbid curiosity out of anything mm. it would invariably be terrible mm. just because that's what it is and i feel that star wars does need a singular voice now i think that's where the issues have been throughout the newer and and even looking at the prequel trilogy yeah like i think there's been too many cooks spoiling the broth since the original trilogy and i don't think snyder would be the voice i would want to see given mm that level of control. I would love to see his visuals in the Star Wars universe just because I think it's a the scope is just so huge and he is a visual director. If he was to come in as some kind of visual um supremo, I'd be all for it. I don't want to see him writing I don't want to see him writing anything, <laughs> let alone Star Wars, to be perfectly honest, from this point on. Paddington 2 has lost its 100% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes after some hack bastard gave a negative review. I will not name him on this podcast because people might go and seek it out and it does not bear repeating. It was basically a review of Paddington and Paddington 2 and they've sort of given it this uh, 
two out of five saying that it was not his Paddington bear. Uh, okay. Maybe if you've never seen the TV show and don't know any better, this will work. But long-term Paddington fans will find this too much to bear. This film's like five years old at this point, and it's loved. So quite why someone feels the need to bash it now seems a little bit bizarre. It was an old review, though, wasn't it? It was a review from 2017, the review. Oh, I didn't think it was. I thought it was... Uh, mm, I'm sure it's an old review. Um, I take umbrage with this. I don't take umbrage with the fact that it's being reviewed poorly. I take umbrage at the fact that because it's beloved by hipster folk, it's okay for them to band together in hate of this reviewer. But if people don't like Line of Duty, all of a sudden <laughs> it's a terrible thing and it's people power gone wrong and it's we should we should we should not voice our opinions. Hypocrisy, my friend. Hypocrisy. Of course it is. But I mean we had it not that long ago with Citizen Kane yes. lost its one hundred percent fresh. And, and that is a review that was done relatively recently, if I remember correctly. But again, why would that... Like, you look at that film very much within its time. It is obviously a classic. But then again, am I thinking too much? And is this completely irrelevant? Because if you love a film, you love a film. And to hell with what anyone else thinks anyway. It's a hard one because reviews, reviews should be a measure, but it shouldn't be the be-all and end-all. But we're all, you know... We're all unconsciously biased. If you know, if we see something that is like one out of five, actually no, one out of five, you'll probably watch it to enjoy it for how shit <laughs> it is. If you see something that's like a two point five out of five, you're probably just going to skip over it. But mm. the other people have watched it could be the completely wrong audience for it. It's a hard one. You know what? Is <laughs> that's what she said. Um, <laughs> I mean, we could do this at a later date. But I just thought then, if you add up all, no, not many people have got physical. Um, films now, but in your actual in your collection of films, what the actual Rotten Tomatoes average score would be? Because I'm guaranteeing mine would be probably better six. But well, the films like you you own and enjoy, yeah. And it's a difficult one that because I just buy a lot of shit because it's cheap. Mm. <laughs> <Not> because, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. Speaking of things that we love, Indiana Jones Five. I mean. Surely they never made a fourth, so this should be Indiana Jones 4. Uh, but apparently it is going to be set during the 60s, and Indy is going to be up against Mads Mikkelsen's Nazi scientist during the space race. Like, I love Indy, and that trilogy is as close to perfect as you will get. Do we want to see another Indiana Jones at this point? Do we want to see Harrison Ford as an Indiana Jones at this point? Stu, what do you think? We need closure. <laughs> um, we we need closure on the CGI monkeys. We need closure on you know, the, all the madness of that last one. It's gonna it, even if we don't want it, so it'd it'd happen even if he was dead. They'd bring him back somehow. So <laughs> it's it's inevitably going to happen. Just do this. Pass the pass the torch like the last one should have been done anyway, which they kind of tried to, um, and then develop it onwards after that. But. Yeah, well, again, why not? It's not like we, mm. it's not an original idea, is it? As everything else is with uh, Filmland at the mini, but very true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like you, I mean, I, I, that's one of the few I can I can see from here. That it's the collection, and it has got Crystal mm. Skull in it. It's not the trilogy Blu-ray, but um, that's. I mean, we'll come on to the, one of the questions later on. But that that film could be included. I didn't hate it mm. that much. 
it's not saying I didn't hate it, but not as much as everyone else. Um, yeah, I, I'm all for it. Let's see, a, see it done properly this time and not butchered. Mm. Just to completely change the question for you, Matt, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Stu just mentioned them trying to pass the torch in the last film. Is there a worse actor they could have picked than Shia LaBeouf? Not that Shia LaBeouf's a bad actor, but that he mm. would have been a terrible choice for that role. Like, he's an artist, really. And I, I think that would have been a really piss-poor move in retrospect. Yeah, and, and I tell you, uh, I mean, if Le, LaBeouf ever listens to this, apologies, Shia LaBeouf, but you are not sexy as hell like Harrison Ford was as Indiana Jones, for one. Do you know what I mean? In the same way that nobody that will play Han Solo will ever be as sexy as hell as Harrison Ford was in his prime. He just smoulder. He was just smoulderingly good looking, mm. um, and he, yeah, he's just not. He's just not that guy. Is he Shia LaBeouf? He'll always be the kid that was in holes. Like <laughs> in terms of when you think of like of him being a badass, he'll always be the kid that was in holes. I know. I know he was in Fury, and I know he was in the excellent Peanut Butter Falcon. Um, but no, it's not. It it doesn't feel like a good natural. No um, successor at all. I was going to say it, it, there was a film where he's literally in holes. <laughs> Which one? The one that it was an actual full-on sex scene in one of his the films that he did. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. yes, of course. Um, Nymphomaniac yeah. wasn't it? Oh, Lars Lars von Trier. If I remember, I haven't seen that one because they are a struggle. I think it's Lars von Trier. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't I don't dislike Shia LaBeouf, but when I think of his mainstream Hollywood films. He's a bit of a geek. When he does his more indie-fied movies, I, I think he's very good at those. Mm. So that's that's why when Stu mentioned it just, I thought, yeah, I think that would have been a terrible, terrible choice in retrospect. Should have been Ryan Reynolds, like everything. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds should be in every film ever made. <laughs> John Cena nearly caused a f- world war, almost. <laughs> and it would have been one of the few times where he would have even lost that matchup. He said that Taiwan was the first country to watch F9. This led to China being pissed off, to which he had to grovel for forgiveness as China believes that Taiwan is one of their territories and not actually a country. On Weibo, John Cena said, Uh For those of you not fluent in Mandarin, that was I made a mistake. I must say right now, it is so, 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 so important. I love and respect Chinese people. I'm very sorry for my mistakes. Sorry. Sorry. I'm really sorry. You have to understand I love and respect China and Chinese people. What an absolute bitch John Cena is. Sorry, China. Sorry. Sorry, China. Really sorry. (laughs) I don't know how they saw it to start with. Well... It is because <laughs> China has become the biggest market for films now. So it's getting an early release in Taiwan, China. It's already made $136 million in China alone. 
It hasn't even been released in the States or the UK yet. So F9 is going to take a fuck ton of money. This is like when they um, they messed up one of the Transformers films and, and part of that was in China for this exact reason. <laughs> yeah, they are pandering to the Chinese market very much so. I wouldn't be surprised if Fosun were like secretly funding these movies as well. <laughs> Money's gone somewhere. <laughs> Knives Out 2 and 3 have both been snapped up by Netflix. So that's Ryan Johnson, and he's bringing Big Dave Batista and Ed Norton to the sequels. Daniel Craig is also returning. He's not someone we've particularly mentioned on this podcast. Are either of you two fans of his work? Some. Some of his work. <laughs> um, I said before, but the first Knives Out, superb. Um, mm. And he's remarkably good in it as well. Yeah, he's brilliant. Layer Cake as well. I liked him in Layer Cake. I know you wasn't that keen. Um, and obviously, some two of the Bond films he's good in. <laughs> but <laughs> how many is he done now? Is, four. Is it his fourth one this, this year? Is the fifth. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, she, Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, Skyfall, Spectre, and then this one. No time to die. Yeah, um, very hit and miss. But I don't hate him, like some people seem to. Um, <laughs> he's just, he's either good or he's bad. There's never any in between with him for me. Mm, mm. That's fair. I I don't mind. I think I think he makes um, an excellent Bond, but I'm not, I'm not the, um, you know, I'm not a Bond addict. So I, I don't know if he's like, you know, against all of the, traditions of what a James Bond should be but I like that especially you know in Skyfall when they show Bond for one of the first times as far as I'm aware being like actually able to you know broken down and a shell of a man and I think he plays that really well in Skyfall to be honest. Layer Kate yep great. Apart from that though I haven't really seen a lot of his body of work apart from the awful um, Cowboys versus Aliens. (laughs) Cowboys and Aliens sorry. Uh, That was bloody dreadful absolutely dreadful. And Golden Compass. Yeah, I hate that film. Like, I, I love the book. It is superb. And the TV adaptation has been really good. His Dark Materials. Um, but the Golden Compass film was a fucking travesty. It was awful. So I'd gone through a period of time where everything I'd seen Daniel Craig in was either films that were terrible or Bond, which I don't care about. So he's never warmed to me until Knives Out, where he was actually a very interesting and engaging character. And as we started talking about a merger, we'll end talking about a merger. So Amazon have purchased MGM Studios in an eight and a half billion dollar deal. So MGM are the studio behind Bond, Rocky, Tomb Raider, Robocop, Legally Blonde, Silence of the Lambs, 12 Angry Men, The Terminator. You know, that's just the film. So they've got Handmaid's Tale, Fargo on TV. So Prime could set to become an even bigger player than they already are. I mean, if they get get that back catalogue from, from MGM, you could be talking like Disney Plus levels of access to some tremendous history. Any franchises or anything from that you'd like to be seen given a new lease of life TV series or anything? Well, I've mentioned the Robocop Returns on here before. Hey, that seems to be still in production at last. Um, but I was thinking how this affects 
Sony Pictures because wasn't that part of MGM as well, or was it just a distribution model? I don't know. I think they were the distributors of it. Um, yeah, like you said, it's <laughs> the writing was on the wall when they started releasing things day and date on Prime anyway during mm. last year, and you think, well, will it happen? And it has. So it's yeah. it's almost like your wish is my command. Give us anything you want. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, Rocky, I'm guessing is the, the name in that list that stands out for you most. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they, you know what? I think I mean, Rocky Balboa was a nostalgia trip, so that made it great, but it wasn't a fantastic film, you know what I mean? Mm. But the Creed films have been, have been really excellent, I thought. I really, really enjoyed them. Um, I don't know what else you can do with that universe now, though, other than take Creed on. I'm sure Sylvester Stallone said he isn't going to be a part of the third Creed movie now, in terms of uh, in terms of Rocky's character, um, and that will rub some people up the wrong way. What you do with that now? I mean, whether they um, whether they look at uh, doing a story about Mickey the Trainer, maybe like a not like a prequel because I, I think they could do it without Rocky even being involved, but looking at him as a, as a trainer and a, you know, a, a downtrodden story, not rags to riches because he was never rich until Rocky won the title, but you know, how he, how it, maybe a redemption story kind of thing, I think would be quite fun to watch. Hmm. So we're going to get the RCU, the Rocky cinematic universe. <laughs> that's the one. That's the one. I, I quite like that idea actually. That's great. Uh, so that's the news all done and dusted. Have we had any listener questions in, Matt? Have we? Yes, we have. We've had loads, actually. Uh, uh, what's the word I want to use? I was going to say cata- cataclysm, but that's not the word I want to use at all. But anyway. Um, <laughs> catatonia? So, catatonia, maybe. Um, so, TK wants to know, what is your favourite blooper reel in TV or film? Ooh. Like grown up, I used to. Oh, I still love Red Dwarf, and they released deep, uh, videos just of their smeg ups. They called them, <laughs> and I could quite happily just sit there and play through them for days on end. But I really like the Office, the original Office, just scenes of seeing Ricky Gervais trying to make Martin Freeman laugh mm. whilst they're actually trying to film and pissing everyone off. I really like the Office ones as well. I think they're great. It was one of the bonuses of. Buying DVDs, seeing gag reel on the back, yeah. mm. I, I, flummoxed. I, mean, I, I got off the top of my head. I can't think of one because it was as soon as I finished watching the film, it was straight to the gag reel every time. You don't really get you it know, as much now with Blu-rays mm. and stuff. Weirdly enough, but there's a few on the uh, in the old MCU collection, and obviously I watched that recently, so I'll just put that in there for the sake of it. But yeah, it's so funny you say that, Stu, because when when I last went to the van, uh, went out in the van. We bought like went charity shop shopping because they were all open, as I said, and we watched uh, a series of unfortunate events. And I watched every single bonus feature on that DVD just because <laughs> you just don't get them anymore. No. And it was bizarre. I was like, "What's all this content?" Like, and it's yeah, it's it's something I actually really sorely miss. Like the the cast commentary of Spinal Tap on the DVD is as good as the movie. Mm. It's as good as the movie, and you just never get that. Like if you if you've not got it, and you've seen Spinal Tap for the first time on a on a streaming platform. You're just never going to see it, and it's a shame. My favourite gag reel always be Eastbound, uh, Eastbound and Down. My plums, I can feel it in my plums. Have you seen that? <laughs> yes, I have. Because I think you mentioned that before, and I went to to check that one out. 
Oh my god, Stu, you look you look bemused. You need to see it. Oh, oh so no, what this I've watched the series, I've just not seen this. Oh my god, honestly, it has been stitches. I was really hammered once in a in the Gifford. And for some bizarre reason, I me and my friend Phil and uh, friend uh, Gary live streamed ourselves on YouTube just redoing the my plums scene over and over. Didn't know I'd live streamed it. Until like the Wednesday afterwards when my mate was like, oh man, I saw you at the weekend on YouTube. I was like, <laughs> I was like what? And it was there in full view, like absolutely hammered. It got quickly got removed from the internet. Nothing, nothing's ever re- removed from the internet. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, David Evans wants to know, do you think Kevin uh, Fiege, Fiege uh, and Marvel will ever close this run of phases or this iteration of the MCU and start again with a new universe? If so, what different versions of characters would you like to see in future films? Zombie or Hydra Cap, Iron Man 2020, Planet Hulk, et al. I mean, they could do Marvel Zombies quite easily. There's been a whole run of probably about 100 or so comic books over the years done by Robert Kirkman of The Walking Dead fame. Um, so like Marvel Zombies universe would be a really interesting take to do. I could see... I could get to a point where they would retcon Iron Man and stuff like this and bring them back in down the line. Because once you get to like Beta Ray Bill <laughs> and Wonder Man, like no one's going to give a shit about these characters with the best will in the world. So I could see a point where maybe not starting again, but doing some kind of soft reboot and mm. retconning the history. Yeah, I mean, they might be doing that in Doctor Strange anyway. <laughs> We, don't, we just don't know at this point. So, mm, yeah. I mean, you could have alternative versions of Iron Man and Cap and keep it in that timeline. I mean, they can do all the timeline stuff anyway, like they are with Loki in a few weeks. Mm. So, I mean, it is almost turning Kevin Feige into Kevin Feige at this point. <laughs> that's a terrible word. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 that's uh, either, is it? But, Oh, I wouldn't change it because I love it so much. But yeah, there's plenty of um, there's plenty of ways they can spin it off. Hmm. Uh, Andrew Wright, blinding right, blinded by the right. Uh, he wants to know if you could place comic book characters into the plot of any film, what would you do? So, which characters and what film would you choose? For example, placing Marvel characters in the plot of Michael Mann's Heat. Unfortunately, though, Aquaman in the Pelican Brief will not be accepted. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I put um, Judge Dredd in the raid because it's the same film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it make no difference, would it? Yeah. Um, you could have Wolverine in any box. You could put Wolverine in Rocky and just make it Wolverine instead of Rocky, and just have him as cage fighters. You could have him Warrior, which is a cage fighting film. Mm. Yeah, mm. you could do. To be fair, you could have yeah. in, a, in an out Tatari. You could have Daredevil in Singing in the Rain. <laughs> but the um, the Affleck version of Daredevil in the, in that rain scene, and then it can yeah. cut away to uh, a bit of dancing action. Imagine if we got like a cameo, more of like a, a nod um, to Superman appearing in the boys and facing Homelander. That would be really smart, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Wouldn't really, it just really cool? Yeah. Wouldn't it just be like an ode and like I don't know how they do it or what they do, or but basically Homelander becomes a little bitch. Like he just becomes a snivelly little bitch just for a little bit, and he's just like, "Sorry, sorry," and um, and then Superman goes off, and then he's a cunt again. It, 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 it,
It has to be Brandon Routh as well. He ain't doing anything anymore, is he? So he's got time on his hands. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, excellent question. That to be fair. So then we've uh, we've got some others from some of our uh, from some of our pod friends as well. Uh, not before coffee podcast. If you could play any role in a movie, what would it be, and what original twist would you bring to it? I, I want to be Javert from Les Misérables, and my twist would be that I can't sing very well. <laughs> but then neither can Russell Crowe, so I might be okay there. I always wanted to be John McClane. <laughs> And that doesn't surprise me at all. Well, the Mark Pierce, <laughs> yeah. and handles John McClane's vest, so <laughs> yeah, and I wouldn't change a single thing. Um, so we've got our, what I think to be our first ever couples question. So we've had a question from each of the tag team of the couple here. So we'll start with uh, Tara. Uh, has there ever been a boy born that can swim faster than a shark? <laughs> And I've only just men- mentioned The Office as well, yeah. <laughs> I, I know, yeah. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> but who were the fastest swimmers in uh, in film history? Is there any, who can we think of? We've got Aquaman, have we got anybody else that will, that can beat Aquaman in a race? Um, I mean, there's The Deep from The Boys. I know it's not a film, but he's the only other fishy <laughs> hero we've had, isn't he? Because we haven't had um, Namor the Submariner yet. Did you ever watch, um, what was the name of that show? Oh, Christ. Uh, Round the Twist? <laughs> yes, the Australian show. Uh, I don't know, but basically, I don't know. It never. I don't think it ever said it out loud, but there was basically a kid whose dick was a propeller. <laughs> and basically got won loads of races because his dick was a propeller, basically. Is that the one where the bunch of kids lived in a lighthouse? I'm not sure. I just, I just, I... I just know about the dick propeller boy. I think it's on Amazon Prime, like 1980-something That's what classic. I pay my subscription for. Yeah. Surely the obvious answer to this is Kevin Costner. He's, he's, got, he's got gills. So. Uh, so David Court, um, who has a book out, Contents May Unsettle, buy it. Um, if John Connor hadn't rang home in Terminator 2, how long would the T-1000 have kept up the pretense of being his mum? It had already prepared a delicious meal, so when would it have got bored? <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea that he's just getting dressed. He's not even like just using the metal in his body to change what he's doing. He's actually getting dressed and undressed and just being with that all week until the uh, the T100 rocks up. So presumably, though, that, you know, in a programming of, 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 of a robot, no matter how devious it is, it's just programmed to do its role. So it just, just do it indefinitely. Mm, yeah. It's it would be there forever. Yeah, well, it's got to maintain that hair as well. I mean, that's pro- maybe that's the answer. Just have just be a robot, <laughs> and you ain't got to permit every day. But yeah, I think I think indefinitely is the answer to that, Dave. <laughs> nice, uh, Matt Cunnington. Um, given the precarious state of cinema, do you think they should bring back double bills? If so, what would you like to see? Doesn't have to be films from the same series or universe. Yeah, I, I kind of wish we got the old, you know, the, the B-movie followed by the, the main feature. I feel like we're a little bit short-changed nowadays. Don't remember, I know we get some films that are ridiculously long, but it would be nice to have like a 60-minute starter and then a, your main course. Well, you know, once again, it changed my life when you said about cinemas not making money through their films. It's their mm. concessions and everything else. Double bills, you're not going to go five hours without eating. 
So midway through, you're probably going to think to yourself, man, I could do with a little bite to eat now. I could do with a yeah. little drink. And maybe you'd get more people wanting to, to buy from there. Maybe they feel, you know, they're getting more bang for their book, so they're more willing to spend a little bit more at the cinema as well because they're getting a bit more entertainment. Like you could you couldn't charge two foot, you couldn't charge thirty quid. Let's say a ticket was fifteen, you'd have to meet in the middle somewhere. But yeah, maybe it'd work. Yeah, I mean the amount of time. I mean I've done double bills, back to, well back to back films, loads of times, um, mm. and not just for Grindhouse either. <laughs> I think the 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 weirdest one was we watched Harry Potter, came out of that. And then went straight into the seven minute past midnight screening of Die Another Day, which was a mistake. But yeah, I mean, and you are right. I mean, at that time, they, they hadn't shut because it was after midnight. So the concessions were still open because they knew people were going into a midnight showing. Mm. So we'd already bought that stuff for Harry Potter. Again, loaded up for more, went back in and made a fortune. Mm. Yeah, it's a great idea. Mm. Mm, it is. Um, your next favourite movie podcast um, wants to know, but we're going to just stick to one because um, we've got that many questions. We're literally never going to get to our, our <laughs> own. Uh, so your your favourite so bad it's good movie? I mean, The Room is the king. Like, I do genuinely enjoy watching it and laughing at the absurdity of the solemnity that he tries to bring to the most ridiculous of situations. So it's got to be The Room for me. Yeah, I knew you were going to say the remake straight away. So, uh, Fire Ice and Dynamite, another another mention for it until everyone's seen in the entire world. <laughs> Fire Ice and Dynamite, Roger Moore, superb. Excellent, excellent. We're going to skip it back to some of our OG listeners, some of our day oneers. Uh, Ash Dolan, what controversial real life story would you turn into a film and who would you get to play the people involved? This is so great, this question, more, mainly because of the mistake. The Raoul Moat story needs to be told. Get Jason Statham as the titular Moat and Ray Wilkins to play Gaza, the Northumberland standoff. Of course, he meant Ray Winston. I, t- I like that. I love the uh, the, the era makes it perfect, especially. Yeah, Ray-, Ray Wilkins has been dead for about 10 years, so they're just perfect. <laughs> um, like I'm immediately thinking of true crime stuff. So there was the... There was a church, I think it was a, I can't remember, it was a church or a school that was connected to a church and they found a shitload of kids' bodies and there was a load of, um, there's a load of things attached to sexual abuse, historic se- sexual abuse there. So I think that could be quite interesting that yeah. delving back into it. Or obviously the Jimmy Savile, but who would you get to play Jimmy Savile? It's a loaded gun, isn't it, that? It is. I mean, you'd want Ter- um, Taron Egerton because he's... Is it Taron Egerton? The dude who played um, Elton John? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, he's perfect whenever he, he plays anybody, but... Or Sheen. he ruin his career. Just put Sheen. Or Sheen, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, <laughs> the first thing that came to my mind just was Prince Andrew played by Lee Evans, just to see how much he can't sweat. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Yeah, it's... Um, this, this, I mean, you... The big scandals are really where you go with that question, don't you? Really, your big scandals mm. in our in our um, in British history is there always, you know, there's loads out there. So there's a plethora of things you could have, really. Uh, and finally, Todd Dewitt, uh, what? And this is an interesting question, is because we're constantly talking about how we've seen films that need a good thirty minutes shaving off it. Mm. He wants to know what movie would be better if we were at least thirty minutes longer. What needed more time? Next, so it could have an end. 
<laughs> um, the problem is you need to go with a film that is going to be like 60 minutes long because mm. if you're going over that, if a film's over 90 minutes, you're already at the point where you need a good editor to get it down. Like there aren't many films that hit the two hour mark that you don't think that's flabby and you can cut some of that shit out. Mm, it's hard, so isn't it? You'd be looking at something like Host, which I think was 50 minutes long, or Dumbo, which was 61 minutes long. But they told their stories perfectly. I, I can't think of one that would benefit from extra time. I, I think most films tend to be better when they're shorter. Things like... Uh, Brevity is the soul of wit for obvious reasons. Things like Airplane, where you just want more. Mm. And maybe mm. that's the reason why you want more, because they've cut it down, giving you the want of more. And if you had an extra 15, 20 minutes off hour, then it wouldn't be as funny. But that that... The, off the top of my head, they're the ones I think I want to see more of them films, and obviously we can't now, but yeah, both of them are superb. Yeah, Todd, when you listen to this, um, tweet us with what you think. It'll be interested to know, because it's a really tough one, that is. It's a bit of a brain... Mm. A brainstorm's needed, I think, on this one, but no, great question. And great oh. questions from everybody. Thank you very much for getting them in. Um, Andy, sorry, you're about to... I was going to say, we could have it on the Zack Snyder Justice League. And let's make it five fucking hours. Why not? Why not? Why not? Add an extra day to it. Let's just go full force and you know what I mean. Like, play through. If you you know you're going to be hopefully at some point in your life going to New York, just make it the length of the flight so you can yeah, watch the whole thing. Give me something to do. Yeah. I think by the time he goes, there'll be an extra cut anyway. So probably. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you guys for all your questions uh, and girls. As always, um, we really do like answering your questions and we like to have interactions on the Twitter. So uh, make sure that you are getting in touch with us and answering our call for questions. Lovely. Thank you very much. So I've got a new feature, Hot Take Corner. So over the last few months or so, we've had a few really shitty hot takes I might use them for future episodes. I've found a different one that I wanted to go with this time. So a hot take is something that people often say unpopular opinion and then say something that is widely popular. Goldsmith. You know, yeah, like absolute bollocks (laughs) that people just, yeah. But I found one I do genuinely think would be an unpopular opinion and a hell of a hot take. Someone on Twitter says... Will Smith has never been in a good movie. Sorry, you you genuinely did cut out a little bit there. Did you say he's never been in a good movie? Yeah, Will Smith has never been in a good movie. Nonsense. I mean, that's a terrible, terrible take, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's horrendous. I mean, even the films that he's been in that aren't stellar, shall we say, they're always at least watchable. I mean, Bad Boys 1 and 2 are mad, but they're decent. So I can't understand how someone could come out with the, the phrase that he's never been in a good movie. Stu, are you a fan of Will Smith? I yeah. mean, can you buy into this? I, I had Willennium and Big Willie style both on the back of seeing <laughs> him in everything. Um, yeah, he's great. He's fun. Maybe what they're saying is that the films that he's been in are not great film films, like films that you have to watch in black and white and have tight jeans to watch. Um, <laughs> that's a subtle <laughs> If that's what they mean, then yeah, probably, because but his films are entertaining, so that is good. 
Now, I don't know what... That's the only thing that can make mm. any kind of sense to me. Yeah, I mean, Concussion. I don't think it was an Oscar-nominated film, but, I mean, that is a, a proper... It's a biography, drama about um, CTE. You know, that's a really good film that... It's got actual depth and meaning to it. So it's not like he just does Men in Black and really lightweight stuff. Mm. You also like Seven Pounds. That's another film that's got depth to it. Yeah, I he, mean, for me, he he is able to do more than just comedy shtick. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, The Pursuit of Happiness. That's that's got heart. That's got. Yeah. That's one of the very few films that has made me cry genuine tears. Um, you know what I mean? I, I, that's a ridiculous, a ridiculous hot take. I would dispute it immeasurably. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad it wasn't just me who uh, doesn't uh, agree with that one. I mean, if they're, if they're basing but, it on World Wild West, then fine. But they're not. Yeah. I mean, he's got a few stinkers. But, I mean, the guy's done, like, nearly 100 movies. Of course he's going to have a few stinkers in there. Tell me an actor who doesn't. I think I think what's happened here, he has been a... He's been a good actor in shitty films... And he, his name has been dragged down because of that. But when he's not not, not like a leading man like Suicide Squad, I know he's a, that's people are people are watching that because mm. they want to have a wank to Margot Robbie. Let's be honest. Um, do you know what I mean? But other stuff that he's you know, there has been some drivel. Not saying he's like you know he's untouchable, but mm. to say he's never been in a good a good film or a good movie is preposterous. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a massive fan of the Men in Black films. And obviously, you've got your, your World Wild West. Like, he has got a few films that are probably held to a higher standard than I think they actually are. Mm-hmm. But that's because he's in it, because he's just eminently watchable in everything that he does. Mm. Even if it's shit, he's in it, so you'll give it a chance. Mm. Agreed. Yeah, good. So that's Hot Take Corner. If you've got any hot takes that... We can discuss. I don't know what you think of it. Let us know if you enjoyed it. If not, we'll see what we can do anyway. Uh, but the next question is the non-film question, which is back to Matt this week. Right then, guys. I want to know, if you could go back in time and live in an era, or well, one year, to enjoy it musically, so you get to go to gigs, nightclubs, what have you, listen to music for the first time in this era... What year would it be and why, Andy? So I've gone, there, there was two years that immediately sprang to mind. But it's, for me, it is 1977. So I know it's the year that the king faked his death. But Sid Vicious during the Sex Pistols, Fleetwood Mac released Rumours, Iggy Pop, Lust for Life, Talking Heads released Psycho Killer, Ramones album, Rocket to Russia, landed. The birth of punk hits this side and the other side of the Atlantic. Barry released Low in the same year that he released Heroes. Two absolute all-time albums within the space of nine months from each other. Mm-hmm. Billy Joel released The Stranger. Just 77, I think, would be the year that... I mean, I'd probably end up dead by the end of it <laughs> because I would have just gone full balls to the wall with it all. Yeah. But yeah, that that would definitely be my year, my year, and plus because you, it's still within the seventies, and I think that's when, the most of the music that makes me who I am now, I think that's where it originated from. Mm-hmm. Stu, 
One was a little bit different to that. It's going to be 1992, isn't it, Stu? Uh, only four <laughs> off, 1996. <laughs> Best year in the world ever. Mysterious Girl. Flavour. Cecilia. <laughs> Father and Son. <laughs> they don't care about us. Lifted. But then, other than silly nonsense, obviously you had Wolverhampton's own Babylon Zoo, Spaceman. Who can oh, man, yes. <laughs> Breathe, Prodigy. Don't look back in anger. <laughs> There's some proper bangers in there. Obviously, three lines as well. Let's keep it topical. Um, yeah. Insomnia, Faithless. And there's some proper class. I mean, Rotterdam. Who can who can moan at <laughs> that? But yeah, it was just not so much of the year. I mean, it's ironic as well. Ironically, we picked this one with Euro 96, but just the whole era of 1996. Obviously, I remember it. And was you even born, Matt? Probably not. Probably about four. Um, I was born. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it just uh, that kind of time. I wish I'd been like five, ten, year, five, six years older than that, just to remember it properly. Mm. Mm-hmm. But coming, up, I think it was a twelve for the majority of the year, and it was just perfect. And if you go on the Amazon Music playlist and stuff, it's pretty much all nineteen ninety six anyway. Oh, yeah, I, I love 1996. Amazing. Well, Andy, you've saved the podcast about three or four minutes because mine was 1990, uh, mine is 1977. Pretty much for the exact reasons that you were, um, except mm. for um, it was also kind of the birth of disco very much in mm. for it was kind of punk versus disco. Uh, on like Top of the Pops very much so as well. And it was kind of the phasing out of your pretty boy um and your cliff richards and your things like that and then punk and the clash and that was very very it was becoming mainstream and Mm. it was becoming a nuisance and a problem and you know politicians didn't like it and it very much was a culture and you had you had your tragedies as well and it was when mark boland died in 77 um i just think it would have been a really interesting time to be alive just before arguably the shittiest decade in natural contemporary times of the 80s <laughs> came into you know came in but um yeah i'd love to have been around for 77 and just being you know the tail end of glam rock as well mm. you know what i mean it's just been incredible yeah. and oh, yeah. star wars was released in um in the uk and i think it was like december 27th or something like that mm-hmm. so you could have, you could have mixed that in you could have gone to the uh, gone to see star wars and then gone to a discotheque <clears throat> that sounds great I thought you would have gone a little bit earlier because I know that Sabbath, I'm not a massive Sabbath fan, but I know they started, was it 74, something like that? And I thought you'd have gone with something that a little bit more metalish. Yeah, no, it's funny you should say that actually, because I'd uh, text, well, I sent him a video today, my friend Chris, who lives now in Arizona, but he's from Wolverhampton. And um, <laughs> I said to him, is there ever a song that started off so amazingly, but then the vocals absolutely ruined the shit out of it, like Painmaker by Judas Priest? Mm. Listen to it when we finish this. Um, and that era of rock and metal, it's it's just not for me, really. I know it's, that's probably absolute sacrilege, that. But you know, like Sabbath, Judas Priest, Pricey will kill me, Iron Maiden. Oh. It's just not for me. Give me like dirty LA Metallica. And that first, I know that it's heavily inspired and that's absolutely fine, but no, it's just, um, no, I, um, I don't really, it would be amazing to have seen it live and, and when it was there, but if it's a choice between seeing Sabbath or Blondie, it's Blondie every day of the week. Oh, definitely. 
Mm. Yeah, like with my problem with metal from that age, it's just not melodic enough. Whereas the more modern stuff, it, it is quite melodic. And I think it owes a, a debt of gratitude to the 80s pool, uh, head rockers like Bon Jovi mm-hmm. who introduced that side of things. Yeah. Good question, that is, Matt. Thank you. And it's just called hair metal. You had hair metal mm. that, then, that then moved into kind of, pardon the term, kind of cock rock. It became mm. less about the style and more about being what Spinal Tap take the piss out of. Um, being like shoving a cucumber down your pants to make you look like you got a massive cock, basically. It became less about like being um, like Motley Crue and partying to kind of being, I don't know. It, it went weirdly kind of sexual, but not for girls, for boys. Very home. It was really weird. Very like, homoerotic. Yeah, it got incredible. Like if you look at like, like the covers for some of like bands like Wasp and Man O' War and stuff like that. <laughs> It's um, it's there are some conflicting emotions going on for the people in that part, of, you know, in that decade. <laughs> ah, lovely. Uh, so the next question: What are you watching lately, Stu? I presume Matt's going to mention this as well because it was so excellent and emotional, and it was the Friends reunion. And I don't know what to expect going into it, um, but and I've only seen Friends once through since it finished. And that was probably about probably 2010. So it's been a good 10 years since I watched anything Friends related. And obviously we know the problems that Matt, um, Matt Perry's had and stuff like that. So I kind of went into this and obviously all the back, because we got it a day later because we're here, um, and all the stuff about Corden, which I've got no problem with James Corden. Yeah, he's a bit annoying, but he's not the worst man in the world like some people think he is <laughs> but he wasn't even in it he was in it for about 10 10 15 minutes max asking a few questions but how they just mixed it up between a question answer session to memories and outtakes and stuff like that and then kind of little, little sketches and it was really really well done and i didn't expect it to be like that and it was really sad in the end seeing them like they are now. I mean that Lisa Kudrow looks relatively normal. Um <laughs> Matt LeBlanc's had a great old time and looks the most normal person out of all of them. This this what all the Irish memes that have come out in the last week or so. I have really enjoyed those memes on Twitter, they've been brilliant. But there's he says something he said at, towards the start of the film as well with um Jennifer Aniston and then they're walking through the set and he, and she said, Do you think this used to um Used to be bigger, and he went. So because we're not big, and he said, "Speak for yourself." <laughs> so he, <laughs> he's quite. I mean, when he was on Top Gear as well, he was great on Top Gear. He's just someone who, who quite clearly loves life and he doesn't care, um, mm. and that really came across with him. The others, I mean, Matthew Perry's a fucking state, and yeah, you can say he's bought it all on himself. But the, there was uh, there was tension there. You can see mm. there was definite tension between them when when they were talking about things, and it was like they had to include him. And it's come out later that he had, he'd had dental surgery, so he was a bit off it anyway the day before. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, that, it was really sad. But it did make me want to go and watch Friends from the start, which I don't think I'd do yet. But after the Euros, I think that's going to be the um, like the filler <laughs> for the week. Mm. Have you watched episodes with Matt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cracky. I love him in that. I think he's brilliant. Yeah, he's he's great in everything he does. Mm. Apart from Joey, obviously the spin-off. Yeah, that, that's what I thought. Yeah. Um, 
Um, the other one, I think I mentioned it before, Invincible. Um, Love it. Finish, finish that now. And I know you said the other week, Matt, about that you don't like um, watching cartoons of things, and but it is just animated, the boys. That's that's. Yeah, TK's told me to watch it as well as mm. something else that had a really bad ending. I can't remember what it was he told me to watch. Um, but yeah, Invincibles was on it as well. Yeah, that's that's finished down. It's obviously been renewed as well. And with the, the Amazon bottomless pit of money, that that's um, that's going to be one on the rotation there. But yeah, it's been a, a decent week. And um, I finally got around to watching Tokyo Drift, which, because <laughs> I watched it in order. In chronological order. Chronological order. So yeah. I'd watched one, Too Fast, Too Furious, four, f- Fast Five, Fast Six, and then this. Nowhere near as bad doing it this way round. Yeah. I watched it that way round initially, to be honest. So. Oh, well, it's. I think when we've said to you before, Matt, that you have to watch, you can watch from five onwards. You can't watch from five onwards, you need to watch at least four. But then at that point, you might as well just start from the start um, to get the backstory. <laughs> but I actually really enjoyed Tokyo Drift. It's something I never thought I'd ever say. And I, I kind of, I'd put it off so much. And I was going, like, well, let's just get it out of the way now. I'm tired anyway. Let's just get it done. Write, get write, done me the, write me the chronological order so I can I can star the message on WhatsApp. I'll, and I'll I'll do it. You fucking broke me down, you sons of bitches. I'll do it. I'll do it, damn it. Yeah, I'll just drop the box set off so you've got no excuse. Oh. Uh, he's, um, not, what, not... he's too fast, too furious, as bad as I remember. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely worse. Because that, that's the worst one of the trilogy, the series, as far as I can remember. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fucking terrible. It's pointless. It, it, it introduces Roman. That's all you need to know, really. Mm. It, but it's he's funny, isn't he? There's some funny mm. scenes, but it's nowhere near what the rest of them are. I mean, now I'm all through that. Seven, eight, and Hobbs and Shaw. That's that's where it's at now. Now the fun Excellent. begins. But yeah, to uh, to get through them six films, man, you, you'll, you'll, feel, you'll feel pleasure in the end. <laughs> you'll make you. I've heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been watching then, Matt? So it's funny that Stu should mention Friends because I did watch that and I did I thought it was excellent as well. I thought it was just going to be one conversational interview where it's dead contrived, but it wasn't at all. It was actually quite sweet in parts and um, yeah, it was really entertaining. The flip side to that is I also watched um, the 10-year celebration of uh, Friday Night Dinner, um, which was on the night after. Well, mm. I don't think it was the night after. It was the night after I downloaded the Friends reunion. Um <laughs> And that was really, really bittersweet. It it was an excellent show, but then obviously with the things with Paul Ritter and and everything else, who was tried to he, he was attempted to be talked out of doing it, um, but he he did it anyway for the love of performing and the love of the show and everything else. And he was um, he just he just you know he was at the, the very final stages of his life, and it must have been really difficult for him. And it's a mm. difficult watch. Um, but the sh- you know the show itself is is excellent. I still think it gets a bit of a bad rep because it's not the in betweeners, um, but it's also topical because I had a um, <laughs> I had a moment like Jim, basically at, at a wedding I was at earlier in the <laughs> week. Right. So I was best man at a wedding between um, uh, Jonathan Maley. My uh, he was my best man. 
he's Catholic. Uh, Faye, his beautiful bride, is Jewish. And we're at, they hired a, like a room in a beautiful restaurant and we had a really nice dinner. And um, it was just playing on my mind the whole time I was there that like a big neon sign going Jewish, Jewish. Like, I, I don't know anything. <laughs> I'm so ignorant when it comes to like other religions. So I didn't know if there was any customs I needed to be following or anything like that. It turns out there was nothing. I didn't even need to know anything because it wasn't <laughs> in any way religious, the wedding or anything. Because, you know, um, and we're eating and there's this, there's, there's this bread and hummus. Uh, that's being served as a starter and i go oh is, is this uh, a traditional jewish bread <laughs> the whole wedding just starts laughing and it turns out it was just a flatbread it was, it was just a flatbread and i felt like such a dick oh, i was like oh no it's just flatbread that you could have anybody could have bought from the shop Mm. I was like, is this this holy bread? <laughs> <laughs> no, and it wasn't. In front of all of like I was like we were like sat we were like sat next to a bridesmaid each and then mm. um and then <laughs> Tom Kearney was opposite me just looking at me. Oh my god, it's so <laughs> embarrassing. Funny, I get Incredible. it. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> So on my TV and cinema screen, I've watched Spiral. It was okay, nothing special, and there was zero surprises. Like, everything you expect to happen, happens. I watched Matrix Reloaded and Matrix Revolutions. Fuck me, they are terrible. (laughs) Terrible. Bo Burnham's, uh, I say stand-up, it was filmed in his spare room. Like, it's an epic, mind-blowingly incredible comedy. I would recommend starting with these older ones, not starting with this one, because it's this is a piece of art. It's not that easy to just get into, I don't think. I watched Natural Born Killers. I loved yes. it. I thought it was excellent. I know on next week's podcast I say I haven't seen Natural Born Killers, and that's the joy of recording Gate of Sequence. But yeah, loved it. I think it's really smart, and I'm sure we will do something a bit more on that down the line, because yeah, I feel like there is a conversation to be had there. But the one I wanted to mention really was Cruella. This might be one of my all-time favourite soundtracks. The music on this is incredible. So we've got Nina Simone, Bee Gees, Black Sabbath, Rolling Stones, Bowie, Blondie, Judy Garland, Iggy and the Stooges. Like, it's proper. Fuck, it's just incredible. Talk to me. Based of, like, the, the 70s stuff. Brilliant. That's just the soundtrack. I would say watch it just for the soundtrack. But actually, the texture and the depth within the world that they've created, the costumes, the makeup, I really enjoyed it. I didn't expect to at all. Is it on? And, um, yeah. Is it on standard Disney Plus or is it Disney Plus Plus? Plus Plus. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, unfortunately, but yeah, um, really, really good film. Loved it. And plus, like, I will watch Emma Stone and Emma Thompson in pretty much anything. So put them together, and I'm well away. So, Stu, your question is next, please. Yeah, so in the world of devices and being able to watch anything anywhere, where's the weirdest place you've ever seen a film? Matthew. Well, it's a tough one, this, because I've, I've, I've lived a pretty unspectacular life, truth be told. Um, but let me set the scene for you. The year is 2013. It's August. Wolves are in League One. And I 
I'm in a traffic jam on the M6 on the way to watch us play a board draw with Preston. And there's been an oil spill on the road. <laughs> and for some bizarre reason, I had... Uh, Christ. Um, oh, I wrote it down and I, I forgot it because I've, I've, I've deleted my notes. Um, <laughs> I had... Um, I think it was... No, it must, have, it must have been the crow. I had the crow like on a... Um, a really uh, shitty handheld device kind of thing that I had to watch. It wasn't like a tablet. I can't even remember what it was. It wasn't like a phone either. Um, I don't know what it was. Basically, I watched that for about half an hour, sat on the bonnet of my car because we just couldn't <laughs> move um, because it was like there was just no traffic. Before. We're going to be late for the game. We're going to be late for the game. And um, yeah, just it was bizarre because I'm on the motorway watching a film on the bonnet of my car in, in Wolves kit <laughs> while everybody else is just fucking beeping everyone's going mental and I'm just sat there just fucking people are playing football because they're on the way to, the, to a game like people have got balls in the back of their car and it was ridiculous it was just ridiculous for nil nil as well that one? did you go to that one Stu? yeah nil nil opening game of the season yeah 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 did, did you get caught in the, tra- in the traffic jam on the way no because we left at 7 in the morning <laughs> well I did not but yeah basically there was an oil there was an oil leak on the road and um and it was um, it was just ridiculous. We were there for a, a good kind of an hour and a half in this in this traffic. I thought we we made it to the ground, didn't have a chance to have a beer, so this ridiculously boring nil nil, and then just went home. Probably one of the worst away days I've ever been to, just for that alone. Yeah, because the all the um, all the official coaches got caught up in it as well. I remember mm. I remember what you're talking about because we because I, I think that was one of the first times I went with the Atherton as well. So it was on our best behaviour, and then they said, "What time are you leaving?" And it was like seven. <laughs> So, um, we, we went, I don't think we went to Blackpool for that one. I can't remember exactly where we were. Um, but somewhere in the middle of the sticks anyway, about five, five six miles out, out, of, um, out of reach. But, yeah, I mean, we had a great day before the, before the game started. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I do remember that one. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, for me, <clears throat> so five years ago, I just started the job I'm doing now. Yeah, about five, five and a half years ago, maybe even longer. Um and I had to go to Cambridge on a training course. I was there for like three, four days. And the final day, the Friday that I was travelling back home, was the day that Daredevil Netflix series was released. So I was sat on the train watching Daredevil on my phone. And it was a rush hour train. So obviously I'd been in training all day and I was in, on like the five o'clock train out of there. So it was absolutely packed. I'd reserved my seat, so at least got somewhere to sit down. And I was sat next to just these three completely annoying dickheads. Mm. And I quickly realised that the two who were sat opposite me, the two fellas there, were a couple. And the girl who was sat next to me, they didn't know each other. And they spent the whole time just talking about flower arrangements. I think she was getting married. And I was trying to like just pay attention to this really bloody scene in Daredevil where he slams a guy's head into a fucking spike. <laughs> <laughs> I could just feel myself getting really tense until they finally got off the fucking train in Birmingham three hours later. Drove me insane, <laughs> that did. So, that, yeah, that's mine. On my phone, rush hour traffic, uh, rush hour train journey back, surrounded by cretins. I thought I thought it was going to steal my thunder then because mine was in Cambridge services. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think we, we played Colchester. It's one of Colchester, Ipswich or Norwich, whichever one it was, because they all went the fucking same road. Um and it was one of them where I went on my own 
for probably because no one else wanted to go and it was a night game. So I went on my own. And in the in the glory days of the PSP, I had Mr. and Mrs. Smith on the on UMD. <laughs> and I knew, I'd never seen it before. <laughs> but it came it came with a machine. I think it was that and Spider-Man 2, if I'm right. Um, yeah. So I was, we got there. But I'd been doing something else. I'd been playing something or whatever on the way there. And I hadn't started it. And I thought, well, because it takes so long to get to where whichever one of them it was. Well, you took three, four hours anyway. I thought, well, I'll, I'll I'll wait until this certain point and then I'll start watching it. And I've, I'd started watching it about t- 10 minutes before. And then they said, oh, we're putting into the services like you do on the travel club back in the day. Well, they probably still do now. Um, but we was there for an hour. <laughs> so I thought, I ain't sitting on a couch. So I was sitting there with a Burger King <laughs> with my PSP in my hands, propped up against the couch while I was having, eating my burger, <laughs> watching Mr. and Mrs. Smith <laughs> in Cambridge services on my own for an hour. Jeez, and that's why I know Gold is going to. He'll expect me to say. It. I mean, we did watch. Um, he did have a portable DVD player that he used to watch stuff at work, and I used to burn like downloaded, ep- torrented episodes and stuff, and burn it onto a disc for him to watch at work. So it, we took it to um, to Wigan away. And we said, "Oh, Gold, you got a bit of blue for the road." <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a normal thing. Yeah. A bit of blue for the road. And he had. <laughs> so we, I can't remember, it might have been Bang Bus or something, I can't remember exactly what it was. But we, <laughs> <laughs> we was in the in the back of my uncle's car, my uncle's Rover 75, driving to Wigan with his porn on. Oh. And we we, we, pull, we pulled up at the um, at the JJB or wherever it was called then. And because um, we were early, we had to, the steward had to come over and open the gate. So the steward, the steward opened, like, peered in the window. And there was us two in the back watching this porn on a portable DVD player. Oh, like a couple of grubby little fuckers <laughs> just sat there watching oh, porn together. God, that's awful. Like, I've never understood this fascination. A frat boy with, kind of yeah. thing. A, a group of lads watching a porn together. That's just fucking bizarre. You, you, I mean, you are talking like 2000, 2001-ish. <laughs> In the loaded days. I thought he was going to say two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Bless. Mm, I'm not sure that's normal shit. I'm going to... I'm gonna. I'm not going to lie. Maybe we put that, it to a, maybe put it put, to a put poem. Put it to a poem yeah. on Tuesday. Yeah. That might be the grimmest story <laughs> we've had yet. <laughs> I can't wait till Tari. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ. Matt... Please light up our lives after that story with your question. <laughs> what is your favourite high-budget pornographic film? <laughs> um, so basically, you can only watch low-budget indie films or big-budget blockbusters for the rest of your life. You can never watch one of the others ever again. Are you picking big budgets or are you picking indie darlings? Andy. So, are we talking like it's got to be over three hundred million or below twelve we're talk, million? We're talking. We're talking. It's uh, Avengers, and we're talking. Let's use District Nine as the as the benchmarks. Mm. About thirty, was it? I think. <sighs> yeah, it's it's not going to surprise that I'm going to go for the indie, <laughs> purely because I feel that once you get to those bigger budget eras. They don't tend to have the heart. Mm. Like m- most films that have a heart and have an actual story to them tend to be either mid-range films or lower budgets. Once you get to that 
big blockbuster. You get your Transformers, you get your your Fast and Furious, which are great, but there's not the variation in those. Whereas I think in the lower end, you can get your horrors, you can get your melodramas, you can get your romance, you can get your com, you can get everything you need mm-hmm. in the lower regions. Whereas your top big budget summer blockbusters, they're all action, they're all the same film, just painted slightly differently. Mm-hmm. So for me, it would be the the indified future. Stu. I mean, the, the obvious answer is to go blockbusters eat, but I'm not. I'm not <laughs> gonna because of the exact re- film you just said, District Nine. Because it, there's there's proof there that you don't have to spend shitloads of money to make a, a visually stunning film. You got Skyline as well, which is similar, and Chappie as well, which is a bit more. Is, is that what is that bit of both? But yeah, there's so much more that you could do with any indies and. Even I can't just watch explosions all day long. You, you, you do get bored at some point, and that's why I've... you need to find you need to find time of the day to watch a porno. Yeah, I mean, you... <laughs> Derry does Dallas. I mean, that's got to have somewhere to go. Um, I mean, we bought up Emmanuel before. I mean, Emmanuel bought me up a lot of times. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> but we, I mean, that's why I've watched the Fast and Furious films. I've watched one a week because if I watch them all one every day, it'd be boring and. You'd be looking at your phone. It's just because that's just how they are. But with Indies, you have got a bit of everything. And with technology that you've got now, you can create something that looks looks incredible for pittance. So, yeah, Indies. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, When you think of some of the films that we've done for Nick Cage, like Colour Out of Space was what, somewhere between 8 and 12 million. And we all really enjoyed that film. Whereas something like a film which we've got coming up, um, Trespass, which it was like 40-odd million, and without spoiler warning, the heart wasn't there. So I don't think that the more money means that you're going to get a better film. So that's why I think... That that was my reasoning anyway. So I think Mm. I'm in agreement with Stu. Yeah, I mean, you, you you can always find a Jamie Vardy for a couple of million, but on the other end of things, you can get Hernan Crespo. So... Just put it into into sensible terms. Money's not everything, and that's what blockbusters are. Yeah, I'm. It's going to be a it's going to be a hat trick for indies, and not necessarily for the same reasons as you two. I can't remember off the top of my head more than five massive marquee films that I've gone to see at the cinema that have been really hyped up that I've actually enjoyed. Mm. Um, I just don't find the same enjoyment anymore than finding an indie film on a streaming platform that isn't well known and being able to watch it. And then, you know, we all do it. So don't pretend you don't have a little joy in the fact that not many people have seen it as well. We all get pleasure in that. It's just, it's just human nature. So it would be indie films for me because there is the opportunity, like you said, to find something very niche, find something wonderful, um and not not have your intelligence um questioned because there is absolutely a place for popcorn leave your brain at the door films you know what i mean it's it, films and movies are entertainment at the end of the day whether it's an intelligent entertainment or not um but if you had to put a gun to made and pick one of the one of the two would be it'd be indie films mm. i think <clears throat> i can't think of any blockbusters where i've walked out and thought 
I physically need to see that again as soon as possible. Mm. Like there's uh, there's none which have been which Infinity have, like, War had a little bit soul. of that. Infinity War had some of that. More that the shock and the mm. the feel of it at the end was like, wow, you know, I can't wait to see that again, kind of thing. But it's very little, very little of these marquee films, you know, grab you to the point where you feel satisfied, so to speak. Mm. Whereas I think something small that is clearly made with love, it can rock you to your soul. I think mm, it's yeah. like it. Yeah, totally agree. <clears throat> so my question is. I want you to tell me about a film that you wish you could unsee. Matt. So I've got two. I'm cheating. I've got uh, for good reasons and for bad reasons. Um, I'll start with the bad. I wish I could unsee, not necessarily unsee, but get the time back that I devoted to watching Donnie Darko when I was (gasps) young and then (laughs) older because it's it's still shit now. Um, And I spent loads of time watching Donnie Darko to try and enjoy it to see what the fuss was about. And it's, it's fucking dog shit. And I wish I, yeah, had, I, the ti- I, wish I, I had the time it. back. I agree. I, I don't understand it. Hot take corner. <laughs> Just now. Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement there. It's I've only seen it once, and it was back when I was at uni, and everyone was going ape shit over it, mm. and it just did nothing for me. And I even I like Jake Gyllenhaal, but I just, nah. It, it very much felt like flavour of the month, especially if you were like my age group into rock music and wearing massive oversized jeans and a chain and drank MD 2020 at the Civic. It's like, <laughs> it, it's, it was just like, it was the in thing, but mm. I was never about the in thing. And that's probably half the reason why I never liked it. But then I tried it again later in life and I still thought it was shite. So there we go. Um, the, the, the film I want to see for good reasons. Um, and I know we've briefly mentioned it on other podcasts recently about how, later versions are pretty shite, but I'd really like to see Saw again for the first time mm. because I really enjoyed the first Saw and the twist at the end, I didn't see come in and, and it was one of those shocking moments and the whole film in general, I just really enjoyed and I wish I could relive that again before it became gore porn. Mm. Um, the first Saw was excellent and I wish I could, I wish I could experience it for the first time again. Completely agree. I saw the original Saw is like as close to Hitchcock as you'll get in the modern day horror genre. I thought it's excellently, uh, excellently um, plotted out, and just the, the whole temperature of the movie I thought was perfect. Yeah, agreed. Mm. That's Jim. So that's my next um, next rewatch. Actually, now I've reorganised everything, so I've got them all over there, the whole collection, mm. and I haven't. I don't think I've ever done them. All in, all like back to back like that. I mean, I, I, going to when the chronological order is going to be a bit awkward. Thinking about how Got jigsaw, yeah, and... which where mm. things go. Um, but yeah, I, think... I wouldn't bother. Just go through and one to yeah nine. Yeah, I think that's... I did one. I did one to five in an evening once. <laughs> Fuck uh, that. that was that was tough. <clears throat> no, speaking of so, I watched a. Um... A video, I, I did mention it on our Twitter page, at Cage Fighting Pod. There was a video where it explains the Saw timeline. It's like, mm. I've seen all these films, and I don't recognise half of this fucking story that's going on. <laughs> it's it's just not a well-told story, I don't think. It's really convoluted. Yeah, because half, it's mostly retconned. <laughs> that's why. Yeah, yeah, very true. And it's retconned, mm. and it looks, it, it seems clever when the reveal happens in every film. But then if you try and break it down, it doesn't work. <laughs> It's not. 
I remember when um, Jigsaw, so the last Saw film before Spiral, I remember texting you, Stu, within the first 10 minutes, explaining what this film was about. (laughs) And it fucking was. Yeah. Like they're all that and it's just it's so unsatisfying. I feel really ungratified at the end of these movies. You have to uh, you have to have a brain like mine that doesn't work for these kind of things. <laughs> Where you I just can't I, I mean I'm <laughs> incapable of seeing what's gonna happen in anything. So that's probably why I enjoy the shit that I do. Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, mine was Pulp Fiction just because it's it's so excellent and it was one of them first experience kind of things where I've never really seen anything like that before with a story that doesn't mm. have to have an ending, a start and beginning in that order, in the right order and whatever. And just because I've probably only seen it about five times ever for the same reasons that I've said before, that it's one to savour and not mm. be overly familiar with, even though it's it's pretty long anyway. But yeah, I think that, that had more... It was that and The Usual Suspects, which I know you don't like, but just for the, the first time we're watching them, um, just it was just stunning, mm. and it was one of them when you walk out later and it, it, or turn it off, and then talk to whoever you were sitting next to at the time, whichever film that was, and you kind of lost for words, but then you want to talk more about it straight away, mm. and in the same kind of way, it's already been mentioned once tonight. The room, <laughs> just, <laughs> just that experience is incredible. Because I, I wish I'd not if I'd have watched it without knowing. The thing about around it, if I'd have gone in mm. watching it just as an incredibly shit piece of nonsense, <laughs> not knowing that it was like this, like it is, just to see what I actually think of it, because <laughs> I can't imagine if I paid money to watch that and then uh, Highmark and all that stuff starts, <laughs> would you just think, well, what the hell was that? <laughs> and not get the kind of irony of it all? I don't know. I, I generally don't know what I'd feel. Mm. Yeah, because I went in knowing it was going to be a bad film. So it would be interesting if it, you you were just presented with a film one day with zero expectations. It would be fantastic to see what you would come out with. Because it is baffling. <laughs> like, he has sex with a dress after he's been shot. He's still, still somehow alive. It's just fucking <laughs> weird. I don't get it, but it's wonderful. My answer, much like Matt, I've gone with two. I've gone one for a bad reason and one for a a good reason. I would love to be able to see Unbreakable again for the first time. I think Unbreakable is M. Night Shyamalan's best film. I think it's a really, really well-made movie. Like Sixth Sense is good, don't get me wrong. I don't think it's a bad film, but I think Unbreakable is properly underrated. And people lump that in with The Village, which, again, I don't think The Village is as bad as what people make out, but they lump it in with that and science. And that's not the film. It was better than those. Mm. It's just that the rest of his oeuvre became absolute dog shit after after that uh, run of two movies for him. Have you seen the, the um, one f- Mr. Glass? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, so I wasn't massive. I've seen Split. Kid. I haven't seen Mr. Glass. Yeah, I ain't, Split was good. I ain't seen any of them because I, I thought, well, it just sounds wank. But <laughs> Unbreakable's excellent. Yeah, do do people is... put Unbreakable in that village category? Yeah, because it's uh, them, they, they do. them group of films because they're at the same time. So it's like the, the M Night trilogy, that kind of thing. Even though they're nothing mm. to do with each other. 
Yeah, a, a lot of people, it's very much he did nothing after mm. The Sixth Sense, which isn't true. Unbreakable is a very, very good movie. You know what? Like a completely different sidebar. You know um, what I think about when M Night Shyamalan is that bit in? Um, I think it's "I Love You, Man." When the guy says, "I think he's like he gets the he gets he's had something directed by M Night Shyamalan," and he just says it in this like ridiculous <laughs> way, it makes me laugh every time. Someone tweeted yesterday: um, "The best rom com ever made was I Love You, Man." And it is a good film. It's absolutely yeah. true. It's completely yeah. true. Yeah, it is a cracker. I like uh, Paul Rudd and Jason Segel, though. I think, yeah, they're really cool together in that. Uh, the film I want to get rid of my mem- from my memory is a movie called Vulgar. And it's... Um... Didn't we watch that in Wigan? <laughs> <laughs> so the, the basic plot of the story is there is a guy who is a clown and his life isn't going great. He's not getting the TV work and that kind of stuff that he wants. So he decides to become Volga the Clown. So you know how at Stag Do's guys would hire, rather than a stripper, they would hire, you know, I don't know, a magician or something to take the piece. In this, they would hire Volga the Clown. And he would just come and he'd be a bit of a slob and a mess around. And he goes to this one um stag do or so he thinks and then when he gets in there he gets raped and honestly it is the only film that's turned my fucking stomach like i couldn't eat watching this film it it was too much even for me Uh, so yeah volga is the one film i think clone rape is too much even for andrew (laughs) gillard (laughs) yeah so that's uh, that's my movie so that's a question cast done for this week Thank you for joining us on this podcast. Next up is going to be something different. And then the week after is going to be our picture pod where we are looking at Wild at Heart. Which is an interesting one which splits the group. Uh, If you've got any questions for future question casts or or anything, or if you, I don't know, just want to get in contact, drop us an email to cagefightingpod at gmail.com or get us on the Twitter at cagefightingpod. So for this week, Matt, would you like to say goodbye? Take it easy, guys. Look after yourselves. Stu, would you like to say goodbye? Enjoy the heat wave and remember, it's only flatbread. (laughs) (laughs) It's goodbye from me and remember, be excellent to each other. Problems with the uh, arrangements backstage. What exactly? Well, uh, what, I some, mean... well, no, there's some problems here. Uh, I don't even know where to start. All right, this. Sound uh, check. What's, what's no, what's no, what's no, what's no, no. This, this. Look, look, look. There's a little problem with the. Uh, look, this, this miniature bread. It's like I've been working with this now for about half an hour. And I can't figure out. Let's say I want. To, the mm-hmm. bite, right? You got this. You'd like bigger bread? Exactly. I yeah. don't understand how. You could it's fold like a... this then. I mean, you could well, fold no, it. then it's half the size. No, not the bread. No, you could fold the meat. Yeah, yeah but then it, then it breaks up, breaks apart like this. No, 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 no. Like you this. put it on the bread like this, see? But then if then you keep it's... folding it, it keeps breaking, well, why would you keep and then you're, it? everything has to be folded, and then it's this. And I don't want this. I want large bread so that I can put this. Right. So then it's like this, but this doesn't work because then it's all. 
Because it hangs out like that. <laughs> Look, yeah. would you be holding No, this? I wouldn't want to eat. I wouldn't want to put no. it in my mouth. All right, A. Exhibit A, and then we move right. on to this. Look, look, who's in here? No one. And then in here, there's a little guy. Look, yeah. so it's, it's a complete catastrophe. No, you're right. Nigel, Nigel, <laughs> I mean, calm I don't, down. Calm down. Calm, look, it's, no, it's no big deal. Look, sorry, it's a joke. You know, it's really... It's, 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 a, just, it's just some crack at university, you know? Yeah, it's a joke. I don't want it to affect your performance. It's not going to affect my performance. Don't worry about it, all right?